Hi, welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insight Series. I'm your host, Jeff Petowitz, President and CEO of the Petowitz Group. Today, we have with us industry icon, author, President of eMarketing Strategy, Ruth Stevens. Ruth, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. So happy to be with you. So uh, you're a busy woman. You're, you're teaching here in the States. Now, from what I understand, you're going to be teaching over in India. So what, what an exciting opportunity. Yes, I was really thrilled to be invited to teach at the India Institute of Management in Bangalore. And I'm going to teach a marketing elective that I've taught in at Columbia Business School, at the uh, uh, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology Business School, and also at NYU Stern. It's a course that you'll really appreciate, Jeff. It's called Customer Acquisition and Retention. And it's really about using data to manage the customer base of a firm like a financial asset. So it's really fun. I include not only data sources and uses, but direct response communications, calculating lifetime value, uh, retention strategies, acquisition strategies, acquiring a customer at a positive ROI to deliver shareholder value, everything that you know through you know osmosis and through your career, boiled down into you know 20, 20 or thirty hours of intense. Yes, yeah, so I think one of the coolest things about your programs is you're always teaching the current, right? I, because compared to let's say with a lot of college students deal with the university, they're still teaching the four P's. I think they probably still have the same books as maybe when I was in college. Um, what do you oh, do? Yeah, yeah, me too. But uh, <laughs> well, how do you how do you uh, stay current? I mean, where do you get your material from? And it, it must be pretty exciting, but challenging constantly developing new new courses to reflect where marketing is going. Yeah, that's a great question. There are really three sources. One is I'm a consultant in my field, namely B two B marketing. So I actually have current experience. I don't actually execute much. I'm more of a strategist with my clients, but I am on the ground. And then the second source is reading, believe it or not. There is a ton available of uh, great information online and in not only the academic um, uh, environment, but mostly in in the marketing trades and industry publications, I I can learn a lot. And then the third, of course, is that I'm... um, talking to people all the time. So whenever I write a new blog article, I'm usually interviewing people, finding out what they're thinking, what they're doing, and try to keep up that way. So with all these changes, in your opinion, over the last five years, what's changed the most? Uh, Well, uh, in my world, the business-to-business world, the big change is buying behavior. That's been influenced over the last five to 10 years by uh, the availability of information on the Internet, which means that the business buyer is doing his or her own research in advance of ever calling in a salesperson. So you putting that cynically, you might say that the salespeople have lost control of the relationship. Putting it positively, you would say, well, marketing needs to step in when they are doing that research and take that relationship back and and uh, not only 
generate it, but more likely nurture it and build it and uh, deepen it so that when they are ready to look at a short list of vendors that, you know, we're one, we're on that list. So marketing's role in the world of B2B marketing has, um, B2B sales and marketing has expanded, or it should expand if the company is thinking about it properly, in my opinion. Uh, But the other trend that's so interesting is that companies are getting, oddly, more and more conservative in their buying behavior. The group known as, you know, the buying circle, the buying committee, the buying group, whatever you call it, is getting larger and slower. So this means that we have to craft relevant messaging for each member of that buying group based on that person's agenda, which might be about productivity, it might be about saving time and money, it might be about ease of use and you know reliability kinds of, of issues. But when we're trying to steer them in our direction, it's a long and complex series of communications to... You know, it's, in, it's interesting that you say that because um, I think a lot of B2B marketers understand personas and, and buying cycle and individual content. But yeah. do you think that they are, understand how to put that together in the context of a buying center? I mean, I think they develop different campaigns and they go after these different personas and segments. But within the context of strategic account marketing, um, how well do you think they're doing at actually kind of organizing and honing it in around a specific customer? Well, this is where account-based marketing comes in, which was the buzzword in B2B last year, maybe the year before. And I was just at a conference on this subject earlier this week and or last week and was very impressed at how how ABM has become uh, a thing and people are really embracing it and figuring out how to execute it within their sales and marketing environments. It's really become standard. And what I also recognized or appreciated is the recognition on the parts of these sales and marketing teams that it uh, you, you can't just abandon lead gen and the funnel and go whole hog in into account the key account marketing, but you have to have both. But key account selling has been a fixture of B2B for decades, centuries. You know, it's the way uh, salespeople sell, especially in, in large enterprise. So uh, developing integrated sales and marketing programs into target accounts is where you can really get that insight into the nature of the buying circle and how to uh, contact them in a logical way instead of spray and pray, which is sort of what you were, I think, alluding to earlier. I, I think it's funny how things come so full circle. Um, you know, when I started my career, that was before the internet, before email. Uh, my first job as a marketer was in catalog marketing for a bank. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this cost a lot of money to send out even one single catalog. So you had to really know your audience. You had to get it right because it was too expensive to, to make a mistake. And then, of course, channels like email uh, and other things came along. And then people just 
started ignoring made us, made us a lot stupid. of the traditional marketing marketing things that we should we, that's been part of our profession for for right. so long. So uh, I guess it's like house styles too, right? The longer time goes on, the more things can come back in vogue. Right. Um, yeah, so, dark mail is making a big comeback. It is based uh, marketing. Yeah, um, it's yeah, I mean, I think um, doing non-conventional marketing, uh, marketing or contrarian marketing, is is just an effective a strategy because if everybody's going left, why not go right? You know, whether that's mm-hmm. doing direct mm-hmm. mail or some other types of things. How do you think um, that affects just trade shows and events? I and mean, which is long, of course, a staple of every B two B marketer. Um, right. Do you see things changing there, and how companies are using that as a channel? Mm, interesting question. When 9-11 hit, uh, so it's been uh, about a decade, um, that was a a real uh, kind of perfect storm for the event industry, regrettably. Um, But it was the the decline in trade shows and conferences um, after 9-11 was really going to come along anyway, um, because Uh, We all know that business events are the single most expensive cost per touch in the marketing um, toolkit. Now, in the sales toolkit, they are the cheapest cost per touch versus putting a salesman on a plane and sending him out to, you know, make a sales call. So so they still have an enormous role to play, but marketers, I think, are getting, I hope, getting a bit smarter about it. The the thing that has really interested me in the marketing world is the decline of the traditional show that was organized by a professional association or a trade group like the Direct Marketing Association, let's face it, um, and the rise, the concurrent rise of the company-managed show used to be called a client conference. And now they are expanding into prospecting and really, uh, you know, the, the marketing uh, service providers are becoming show organizers in their own right. It's an amazing development. And the same thing is happening in other industries. The same yeah. way that, yeah. oh, my God, and there are amazing shows. If you've ever been to Dreamforce. It's remarkable. I wouldn't even call it a show. It's more like uh, it's a happening. It's an event. (laughs) (laughs) A show would not begin to do it justice. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Right. When I went to Dreamforce a few years ago and Hillary Clinton was a keynoter, I, I noticed that all of the sessions were in surrounding hotels. They didn't even have room in the Moscone Center for sessions because the exhibit halls were so huge. Oh, it's great. There's not even, not, not even a place to sit down, but it's uh, just goes to show you it's uh, there's demand, right? They, they do, they do right. a great job for sure. So um, there's a lot of marketers doing a lot of good things, right? What do you think are some of the things that you're seeing people get wrong? Hmm. Well, your point about email earlier, it's still a, a big problem. I, I've, I've written that, email makes us stupid. <laughs> and it's really the low cost uh, of email that makes us think a whole lot less than when you were sending out a $5 catalog, like, uh, you know, your example. So 
that that's a problem. And I'm, I've secretly been, you know, hoping that Bill Gates's early threat that um, he would figure out a way to charge marketers for uh, email deployment would come come to fruition so that we would all get wiser about it. I'm also worried about ad fraud. Um, this is an area in digital marketing that for some reason, especially on the consumer side where the real volumes are, marketers don't seem to want to pay attention to the waste that is represented by robots and, and really fraudulent, shockingly fraudulent behavior. That's a, an area of worry. And it, the, the other one I would point out is data and the proliferation of, of um, really dubious and um, untrustworthy data providers today. Um, you know, the data industry has always suffered from reputational you know, issues, but today it's just a free for all and marketers are, are challenged about where to capture data and how to manage it properly. In the B2B world, I'm just appalled at how many companies are using Salesforce automation tools as a marketing database. It's like, that makes no sense. The tools are not structured for that. You can't query. You, you can't do what-if analysis. They're, they're, they're just not set up to support solid data-driven marketing. So no, there are I've got a lot of complaints, I think. Yeah, no, that, yeah. and it's interesting that um, companies still, even though they recognize that data is a problem, they, they just won't spend money to fix it. They, they'll spend money to get more data any data and then even trustworthy sources like linkedin like i know people on there they haven't had this, that job for two or three years but it's still listed on their profile as their latest job so it's just another example and then uh that's another channel i think that's also starting to see a lot of spam too a lot of people are trying mm -hmm. to sell and, and reach out um and so you're always trying to find that balance right maybe we need our own version of gdpr here in the states uh to get to get people to coming. wake up a little bit <laughs> yeah. well we need something i mean just because it's, it's uh well and we were jo joking about the data list providers too because they must have got a hold of my company's domain name because we're all getting crushed now with oh i have this list for this show i have this list for this show and right now oh, <laughs> we don't Jeez. want to want any of that but yeah I, I i agree i think data is uh, is a problem i think Email is still definitely a viable channel when used properly. Um, I still think people see it, though, as a way to source demand versus nurture demand, You know, especially if people are not giving you their address willingly. I don't know how you think that you can buy a list and, and all of a sudden you're driving demand through through email. I mean, maybe cross-sell, upsell. It's possible. No, I, I agree. It's not right for cold prospecting, but it's still the number one channel for cold prospecting in B2B today. I just, it boggles. I, I, I'm, I can preach till the cows come home, but I, I, people are still using it as a cold prospecting tool. Makes no sense. Well, you know, I think also just most marketers are, they're typically understaffed, right? And they have so much to do. And so sometimes it's just, what's the least path resistance that they can just get things done and email doesn't make it easy, but it doesn't make it right. So it's just wish we wish marketers would slow down a little bit more. So if uh, we went out five years from now, what would your new what would your curriculum look like then? Oh, hmm. 
Well, I think there are always going to be new media channels coming along. I mean, look what's happened in the last 10 years. Uh, social media didn't exist. Uh, 15 years ago, the Internet didn't exist. So uh, something will, will uh, arrive there. I hope that some um, consolidation will be taking place in the world of MarTech. We, I'm sure you keep an eye on Scott Brinker's um, mega, <laughs> fast-growing um, infographic, and he's now at close to 7,000 point solutions. I said last year, this when it was 5,000, I said, this is an industry ready for consolidation, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm still still hoping. And um, the the but the other thing that really resonates with students is case case analysis and case studies. So naturally, I'm I'm hoping that marketers will still have great stories to tell, so that students will pick up um, the ability to think strategically about a problem and and also apply that thinking to a, a future problem in their careers. So that's uh, that's what I would say, my hope for the future. Well, I think that's a great hope. Well, you'll have to keep us posted on India and maybe we can do part wow. two and you can share your experiences. <laughs> uh, best of luck well, on those trips. That country is filled with really, really clever and um, brilliant marketers. So I'm expecting to learn a lot over there. For two, two and a half months. months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's going to be an experience for sure. So, uh, Ruth, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Jeff. Great pleasure. You bet. Best of luck in all your, in your continued pursuits. Same to you. Thank, thank you. you. You bet. Bye.